Welcome to another episode of Consider This. We're glad that you are here. Uh, I am Jim, one of the pastors at Sunnybrook Christian Church, and I'm going to be talking with Ryan Vincent, who's also a pastor at Sunnybrook, and then Drew uh, Moss, who technically is not a pastor at Sunnybrook, but he sure does act like one. He acts like a really good one. Anyway, he's at the table, Coward College Ministry here in Stillwater at Oklahoma State. Today we're going to be talking about what is Jesus currently, what is his body? What is uh, what is his being? What is, what is he like? When, when Jesus uh, always existed in the form of God and then incarnated uh, at Chris, the very first Christmas, after 33 years when he returned, what, what happened to him? Um, and you might not know how important that is. Hopefully this podcast will explain some of those things. Um, but we are going to be discussing the incarnation, possibly, and then the reincarnation, that's a strange statement, of Jesus. We hope it's going to be an encouragement and a challenge and a blessing to you. Enjoy. So if you had to pick, are you more inclined to enjoy conversations? So not just podcast conversations, but just regular Joe conversations. Are you inclined to more of the kind of the theological pondering of how, you know, God exists or how Jesus is both God and human or how grace functions. Is that kind of where you are? Or do you enjoy more of the hot topics? Um, what, do, what do we do with war? What do we do with Christian nationalism? What do we do with uh, some of the cultural problems or difficulties that are happening around us? So um, some might refer to it as, are you more theoretically minded or are you more practically minded? I think it's a little more complicated than that. But which one do you enjoy more? If you had to kind of default to one which one do you find yourself wanting to talk about more? Drew. Um, I think I lean more towards the first, towards theological thing. Um, and I'm trying to even figure out why, why I or like, why, what specifically is it? And, and I, it could really be from topic to topic, what sure. kind of grabs sure. my attention. I think that, that there's probably a fairness to that. That's from topic to topic. Um, but I think if I were guessing, it could just be that it feels like the latter one is so, uh, gets charged with a lot of other things that get added sure. to it, political things. And I don't know all that, you know what I mean? Where, where, where the, and so that just gets almost frustrating and distracting sometimes. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's what it is, but I think I would say the former. former. So. Ryan. Well, I don't even know what I'm asking you. So, Drew, do you <laughs> want to speak for? Theolo- do you want to speak for why? Ryan? Uh, why is it the theological for Ryan? Is the question. Uh, <laughs> so, Ryan, why why do you want the, why do you like the first one? Or though now he could totally play contrarian. On this. <laughs> no, no, I do like the first one. Yeah, um, I thought so because I don't I don't ever trust that we have the full picture on most contemporary questions. I just feel like whatever hard stance I take now may look foolish soon as more information comes in and i feel like the the pre the the former the theoretical theological is is something where you can come to pretty not complete but relatively resolved answers and i think it if you don't if you don't have that you're just spitting in the wind with the contemporary cultural questions anyway i think that they i think one undergirds the other yeah it's interesting. I think depending upon who I'm talking to, if I could choose everything, I think I would kind of gravitate more towards the first. And I think one one last reason why I do that is because I think I need the first in order to even begin the second. Yeah. So there has to be some kind of a groundwork that we that it, we essentially need. It's a little bit of a establishing the 
the the rules of the game because you know if we haven't decided on the authority of scripture then you and i having a conversation about a lot of contemporary uh religious questions is really meaningless if we if we ha- if we don't have a shared understanding of some foundational ideas so the, the the name of this podcast is going to be i believe anyway we kind of come to that at the after the time we're done with it but i think it's going to be the incarnation of jesus and so i need you to hear that as i say i'll say it again the incarnation of jesus and so we're going to get there so we don't mean incarnation we mean the incarnation or the possible incarnation of jesus i want to get to that point but before we do i want to spend a little bit of time just kind of going back and making sure that we understand some very important and critical doctrinal ideas and so ryan i'm going to begin with you kind of kind of walk through the Walk through this first, uh, answer this question for everybody. Why is Jesus being God, right? So we believe that before Jesus came to this earth, he was in fact a God. Why is Jesus being God, taking on human flesh, so important for Christian faithfulness, for the for the Christian doctrine of who he is? <clears throat> well, I, I would say for uh, there's a number of reasons, but one of the one of the chief ones that comes to mind is um, the human need for um, an atoning sacrifice and a mediator, and um, so Christ became that which he would save, and um, in order for the sins of Jim and Drew and Ryan and Steve to be i think justly paid for they had to be paid for by another human being okay and, Drew, and, anything and you want to add lots to of other things yeah too. yeah i know there's there's lots of other things um i think that there's something to which which you know i think this is going to come up several times but there's something to like god's commitment to his creation even that uh, that there that that God made this made this world created the universe and didn't go, uh, you know what I mean? If only if only I would have done <laughs> that it. Sounded Hebrew, though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that that sounded Hebrew. <laughs> if only it would have just been. If only I would have just yeah. done something more spiritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yep, like yep, it's yep, like no, yep. there's there's a commitment to this and there's a love for this and he considers it good and so it's not and so it makes sense. I say it makes sense. I don't know that that it, it still blows your mind right but but like that's part of him coming to earth in physical form jesus coming in physical form is is part of jesus coming to redeem that physical world and and make right so you know i think my biggest reason why and this might sound really simple but my biggest reason why is i don't know how you explain what the bible says the bible seems to say jesus being fully god was also fully man yeah and john who loves to talk about how i saw him i touched him I, I this is the testimony and it is true and i was there i saw it with my eyes i heard it with my ears he says if you don't believe that jesus christ came in the flesh and had a bodily form that you are in fact the antichrist and so the antichrist is not some kind of political figure trying to undo um what, what the church is or even to try to fight against god it's specifically someone who is against antichristos anti-messiah yeah. anti the bodily form of Jesus. And so that's the part where I, I don't know how to get around what, what the Bible seems to want to say, which is that Jesus was fully God and Jesus was also fully man. Realizing though, but that's a that's a deal breaker for a lot of people in the world, mm-hmm. right? That's a deal breaker for the Jewish community. Um, and not for all of them, but I mean, it really does. It becomes really, really difficult. It's a deal breaker for the Islamic community. Mm-hmm. It's not even suddenly a deal breaker. Yeah. It's been a deal breaker since day yeah. one. Since day one. So the second thing I want to ask you is, is then why is the doctor, sorry, I want, the second one I want to ask you is, let me take a look at this. Um, or actually, I'm going I'm to jump down to the third one here. 
Why is the doctrine then also of the bodily resurrection such a big deal? Because this this body idea seems to keep coming back. So um, why why is it that when the New Testament writers describe the resurrection of Jesus Christ and why when we talk about it, we love to emphasize the body? Mm-hmm. So go back and... Well, you know, back to your, you know, what you said first is one, this really is the, one of the reasons is just because the New Testament writers take pains to kind of stress this, Uh, even, you know, Jesus himself in Luke 24, you know, saying, hey, come feel me, I've got, I've got flesh, I've got bones, and he eats in front of them to show them that he's, it's an actual body, and so they put stress on that partially because of the evidential value of that like it's it's they're going man we, this isn't something we just dreamed up we didn't just get an idea in our head that sure. you know what i think jesus even though we don't see him anymore i think he's still with us um right they're 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 going no actually I, like john said i i i felt him i touched him i saw him physically alive after i saw him physically die and so that's a big thing uh, another is it it does go back to keep that kind of uh, that God's commitment to this universe that he created, yeah. Jesus is yep. consistently called, his resurrection is consistently called the first fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this kind of sign uh, that this is what God is moving all things towards, is is a, a restoration and a redeeming of his creation, starting with humanity, um, with his people who have placed their faith in him, that, that he's going to restore us to the proper glory that we were created to be, just like we've seen that done in Jesus. Us. Yeah. And the, the resurrection is described as Christ's conquering of the grave, conquering of death. And so it's, it is the, um, the result of the payment against, um, the debt of sin. And so if he just resurrects spiritually, we could have, we could have constructed some sort of concept of, um, the redemption of the human soul and spirit. But no, it's like our, our, our punishment was both the death of the soul and the spirit and the body, physical decay yeah. and, the, and actually like the groaning of the entire creation, mm-hmm. kind of what Drew was pointing toward. And so um, he, he, um, his, his resurrection had to triumph over all forms of death and decay as a result of sin. Not just spiritual. Yeah, this is that's an interesting like it's not talked about like we uh, get to eventually escape death or that we um that through death we kind of leave things behind but it is this like conquering of death which is yeah. like an yeah. un it's not just like oh through it we kind of escape the physical body and go into the spirit but like that death is undone mm-hmm. that it's rever- entropy is reversed and those kinds of things ultimately um will will take place and so that that becomes a big thing in the face of we you know that where this message was spoken was was in a Greco-Roman world mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. did believe mm-hmm. that like the best thing that could happen to me was for me to die and get out of the body. Get out of the body. Right? Yeah. And so if you're trying to shape a message to reach that world, um, it, it seems like you wouldn't want to stress so much <laughs> the, res- the the physical resurrection of the body. You know, their, yeah. their phrase, the, the body is a tomb. It's something I can't wait to get free of. Um, and so the fact that the even as the gospel goes into the Gentile world, that the writers stress this so much makes leads me to believe, man, this this really matters to them because yeah. they could have they could have gone soft on it as they tried to reach people who wouldn't like the idea yeah. of one a physical of, resurrection. One of the most famous chapters is, that Paul wrote is Romans chapter eight, which is all about the the resulting work of Christ's atonement and resurrection. That the Spirit is going to restore this groaning creation, and mm-hmm. it's like. 
that's a really weird thing to pin to a church in a very, very Greco-Roman context like Rome. Yeah. And it's interesting. You talked about the Greek problem, and it's the reason why they struggled with Jesus having bodily form in the first place, uh-huh. is that they literally considered him to be in the Gnostic world, um, where the rise of a particular sect or doctrine that was heretical, the, the docetists from mm-hmm. the Greek word doceo, meaning to seem. And they love to point out, you know, Jesus seemed to have a body. Like mm-hmm. it appeared to them that he, it was a body. So we don't deny the fact that he came in some kind of a form, but obviously yeah. it couldn't be physical. Because, in, you know, we, we, we want to believe the God, uh-huh. but we don't want to believe the God-man. Yeah, because the physical is, is a corruption yes. of what is good. It is a, is a <clears throat> deviation from what is truly pure, which is spiritual. So if God comes, of course, he could not come in a corrupted, uh, more kind of gross and somewhat sinful form. That's their thinking, right? And so they have a hard time putting Jesus in a body that just doesn't seem to make sense to them. But again, the New Testament writers take pains to stress that. Yeah. You know, so. so now I want to jump forward a little bit. So there was a conversation I think we had, Ryan. Um, I don't know which one of us brought it up, but I think it might have been you when you were going through in our Membership Matters class, a couple of Membership, Ma- membership Matter classes ago. We were, you were talking about Jesus today. So not just that he came, think, think Christmas, or that he was resurrected, think Easter, and there's a bodily form there, and there's a bodily form there, that he was God, and then he became God-man, and then he was resurrected to a bodily form. But then when he rescind, ascended back into heaven, what happened? And I, I, I'm going to guess it was you probably that made the, the comment that we believe that Jesus Christ is still the God man and that he still uh, kind of holds to his, we're going to use the word ontology. It just means his being kind of the nature of his being um, that, that his, his being uh, who he is then after the incarnation just never changed. And there was somebody that just kind of went, well, wow. exists in a body today. Yeah. That yeah. he still, he still is in fact, God and man. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time that I made, I, I kind of just said it and I don't even know if I was thinking too hard about it, but I said it and it, this would have been probably six, seven, eight years ago. And uh, another staff member said, what? And, <laughs> and, and as we kind of worked it out, it was, uh, we, we kind of came to where we could see the, uh, have share, share a similar viewpoint. But yeah, she was, it was, it was, it was for her, not something she necessarily disagreed with, yes, all, yes. but it was something she hadn't even considered, which is why I kind of want to talk about it. Like, um, so when, our, we, when we come up with our podcast topics, right, we're usually, Hey, what's going on in the world around us? Or what do we believe our people need to hear? And so we have different conversations, some very socially minded and then others very, uh, kind of going back foundational, theologically driven. Um, and this was one that came up in a conversation in, in our worship arts meeting the other day. And at first, uh, particularly myself, I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about this. Like, I don't know if it matters, uh, what Jesus Jesus is like today. There seems to be not a lot describing it specifically. Like it's not the same thing as um, the way it describes that Jesus incarnated. And so that is very, very clear in scripture. The Bible doesn't really speak about it directly as much as I would like. I think it speaks about it. And so kind of just dismissed it. And then I I went home and I began to study it and I began to realize, wow, there's, there's a lot of things. And Drew, you've really kind of brought up, I think one of the things that really, really hit me that a lot of the confusion on this topic, where people have not thought about it, they're not necessarily disagreeing, but they haven't really thought about it, I think is important for us to go back and say, okay, so then maybe we should think about this. Maybe there are some other things that, that are kind of getting lost in the process. And I, and I'll confess the big one that we're going to be talking about here in a moment is one that I seldom truly reflect on. I just kind of pass over something that Jesus is right now doing for me. But I just kind of think like, no, I don't think he's really doing that. I don't think he's really actively doing that with the Father right now. And I, 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 
I've been repenting uh, about like what what Jesus is actively involved in 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 my own sanctification. Uh, there's still a process that he's actively involved, and we'll talk about that in a, in a moment. But I really think that that is the issue. Is that a lot of people are going, "Hey, I don't know if I've thought about it." Mm-hmm. So then I'm going to ask you guys. So what do you guys think? Um, so Jesus Christ came in bodily form, so he incarnates, he resurrects, and he is in bodily form, and then he ascends. So Jesus today, when he ascended. Do you believe, Ryan, we'll start with you. Do you believe that he, um, then when he returned to the Father, gave up his, uh, his substance, his essence, literally incarnated, mm-hmm. um, and then returned to his previous pre-existent Christ form, pre-existent Jesus, I guess, pre-existent Jesus form? Is that what you think? Or do you think, no, he incarnated, and as far as we know, nothing's changed since? No, I think he incarnated to I think he incarnated to never to never lay down his humanity again. Okay. I think he will be forever be a human. So Jesus is uh, totally a god human. man, yeah. not just a human. Yeah. Um Drew, thoughts? Um I agree with Ryan, but I you know, I'll just cuz as as we've talked through this, I've tried to kind of yeah. throw from the other side <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I uh, you know, even though I land there, I see where where a person could could go to where, where a person could think that jesus sure. hasn't has no longer has a body after all he has spent the vast majority of his existence <laughs> without a body right sure uh, eternity that is <laughs> and then you know what i mean and so it j- would just make eternity up to two thousand years yes, ago up to, right? yeah yes. up to two thousand years ago and then and then for someone to go well i mean Clearly, if we, we look at the weight of evidence, you have eternity without, and then you have 30 to 33 years with, <laughs> and wouldn't it, this just seems like his most, if you want to say, natural state yeah. is to be spiritual. Jesus says about God in John yeah. 4, God yeah. is yeah. spirit, yeah. Um, and Paul will talk about how he's immortal, invisible, you know what I mean, these kinds of things in First Timothy, and so that, that he cannot be seen. Uh, John actually even says, <laughs> after saying in John uh, 1, 14, that the word became flesh, that Jesus became flesh, even though the word was with God and was God, he'll also say a few verses later, like no one has ever seen God mm-hmm. uh, because there's like, you, you can't, uh, you can't see him, but, but Jesus, his son has made him known. God yeah, yeah. has come and made him known. So there's this idea that yeah, God is not confined to a physical body. Jesus is God. And so it, okay. Yeah. For, for a certain mission or cause he would come and put the body he would come embodied in human form yeah um and again uh, like I, I believe fully man not just god yeah. kind of putting a body costume on yeah. putting yeah. a human yep. cause but yep. full becomes yep. fully man and then i could see where it, it would make sense to go yeah and then he leaves that and returns to his original state yeah as he goes back i think that's what's kind of in people's minds and i think bit. another thing that adds to kind of that complexity is our uh teaching on esch- eschatological matters we tell people all the so time. So the end times. Yeah. We tell people all the time, the new heavens and the new earth have not yet been created. Sure. And so then they're saying, okay, then where would his body have gone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had someone, I was, I was uh, doing some college teaching from Philippians 3, so it had nothing to do with this topic. But as we kind of ended our Bible study, I said, hey, guys, I want to do a podcast this week, and I want to run around. I think there was 12 people in the room. I was the 13th. And I said, um, uh, I'm just going to throw out an idea here, and I want you to tell me. I don't want to debate this, and it was hard for them to not go, well, what do you mean? And I've never, many of them said, I don't know if I've really thought about it. Mm-hmm. 
Interestingly enough, six of them said, I believe that Jesus returned to his previous state, his God-formedness. Mm-hmm. And then another six of them said, no, I believe that he always stayed the God-man. But mm-hmm. they all confessed. I don't know how much I've really thought about it. I've almost just concluded something without making a deduction mm-hmm. for yeah. it, which I think is probably very, very fair. Which means that what we're talking about here probably has some worth or some value. But it is, um, it's, it is relegated to maybe a second or a third tier naturally. And I think it's important that we realize that. Yeah. Um, and why is it important that we kind of have these kinds of tiers where we understand where people are coming from and that we understand how do we differentiate between um, someone that someone is the Antichrist. They deny that Jesus Christ ever had a bodily form um, or, or Arianism, that he was created by God. He's a created being. Why do we label them as heretics? You're done. And then why do we maybe say label, and I, I think this would be a good way to label the argument that Jesus Christ, by the way, I agree with you in terms of that he remains in, in bodily form. Uh, he remains human and, and God at the same time. Why is it important that we realize that although that idea is heretical in the sense that it is not, it is outside of what the orthodox position of the church is, but it is not deemed heretical as in anathematize. We don't yeah, we don't condemn. Christian. Yeah, it's not a it's not a we condemn you. There really is heretical that is anathematized, meaning that you are then condemned for that belief. And then there are other beliefs which are truly heretical, which just means they're outside. Right, it's heterodox. It's outside of the orthodox position. So um, you, you talk to people who are really orthodox and they'll tell uh, they'll tell us that you know some of your beliefs about the nature of the church or the purpose of the church are hetero heterodox yeah right and so you i want to kind of distinguish between those why is it important that we a care about subjects that are a little more complicated and a little more difficult that are second tier third tier why is it why do we need to talk about them and why do we not need to elevate everything to the first tier what's the value of that in the christian community drew thoughts well you know i'll just the second question real quick is like we do our, our hope and our goal is that we will place the same level of emphasis on things that the Bible places on Love things. It. Right. And yep. so there's, and so that's why there are some things that will, that will die on that hill, right? That Jesus is the son of God, uh, that he did die for our sins and he rose bodily. Like, I mean, gosh, the, the Bible not only says it a lot, but says it with a strong emphasis yeah. and a yep. stamp. When, when Paul says in first Corinthians 15, like if that didn't happen, if Jesus didn't die for <laughs> and raised bodily then your faith is is worthless yeah, it's a waste yeah, of time yeah, yeah. um then we go okay yeah we're not we're not letting Budget. go even an inch on this yep, you know what yep. i mean and so and then there's some things that seem to be important but the bible does not stress quite as much and and this is it's it's important i don't know if we've even talked about but we do there is biblical evidence for the case that we're making that jesus uh yeah. has yeah. a body yeah. and we're today, gonna look at those right? in a yeah so yeah but you know as far as it's not stated quite as much and and we we it's uh so we don't put the same stress on some things on a tier two or tier three thing hopefully we're, we're not because the bible is not yeah. and yet we also recognize that all the beliefs in scripture are tied together to some degree and so when you yank on one it pulls on other ones mm-hmm. and so it's important to kind of see um how something like getting rid of Christ's body on earth or in, or in heaven does actually begin to shift some of our other beliefs about who he is and what he's doing. And so that's why it sure. matters, sure. even if it doesn't matter as much as yep. the yep. resurrection say. And, and then I think when we identify something as a second or third tier um, question or, or, or decision to be made, then we, we um, engage with others who hold to, who hold to a different answer 
with the appropriate degree of charity. Yeah. Whereas that's like, great. I like I like the phrase appropriate degree of charity. And so <laughs> the, the, if if you you know conclude this podcast and or if we conclude this podcast and you you hear it and you think I'm still not so convinced. That doesn't make Yeah. You a Christian and us not, or us Christians and you not. That's not the same thing. But sure. like Drew said, there are there are convictions that must be maintained in order to consider oneself a, a follower of Christ. And this isn't necessarily one of them, but as Drew pointed out, it can have implications and um, you know resulting beliefs that could really start to cause a few dominoes to fall. Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to look at some verses. You know, we, we, we sometimes say, yeah, we need to make sure that we go back and look at scripture, but I, I'm, I really want to do that for the remainder of our podcast. I want to go back and look at some scripture and to say, hey, what does this seem to imply and what are some of the importance of, 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 uh, of, of this particular wording? One, one word or from the or one word from the word, one, one section of scripture that people love to talk about is, so the last time we saw him, what was it like? And so that's Acts 1, right? So if you yeah. look at Acts 1, and I'll read it, Acts 1, verses 9 through 11, this is kind of the last recorded sighting of, of Jesus in terms of who he is. So Jesus is uh, is on the mount with uh, the disciples. They are describing things that seems to be very similar to the, uh, the Matthew 28 text. And so Jesus is there. He's with them. And Luke records this. This is uh, verse 9. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven." So it seems like what, what we see at the very end, right, is a bodily Jesus. And we, when we say bodily, we really mean man. So we're, we're talking about his, his, uh, uh, his essence, right, his being. So when he left, he left as the God-man. And then the phrase here, and I, I will, I'll even admit, and well, I'll let you guys maybe argue this, and maybe play, Drew, continue to play kind of the, hey, but yeah. th- someone might say this, because we really want to accurately present yeah. some, some, some alternative ideas. We don't just want, we, none of us have an interest in just having a mutual admiration mm-hmm. society here. We want, we want the truth. That there are a lot of people who say this same Jesus who has been taken will come in the same way, mm-hmm. right? And so what you saw is what you will see again. Mm-hmm. And so they say, obviously, if he left as, he will return as. And that's mm-hmm. what they mean by in the same way, mm-hmm. which I would say, okay, totally agree. Um, what's another way maybe to, 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 to hear that? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you, if you wanted to, I was thinking through it as I read, I think you could, a person could say, man, same way doesn't mean, uh, isn't referring to his appearance or his look, a body, it just means he will, uh, just as he kind of uh, seemed to come to go to nowhere, yeah, he will yeah. come from nowhere. Yeah, he will come yeah. down just as he went up. Yeah. Uh, or it could be even, you know, hey, uh, yeah, he will return in a bodily form again. Once he enters physical universe, he will need physical body, yeah. uh, but does not have that right now. A person could a person could say that. Again, you're kind of, you're pushing a little bit your you're kind of going on what it doesn't say yep. more than yep. on what it yep. actually says when you when you were to make that statement. But a person could a, a person could read it that way. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. yeah. Coming down from the clouds, re- going up into the clouds, returning from the clouds. Yes, yes. And, and and what's interesting is I think the majority of people that I've talked to, um, and again I've been kind of playing around with this idea because I'm just fascinated by by things that we haven't thought through mm-hmm. that may mean more than we think they do. I love kind of asking some of those questions. Somebody said to me that Jesus, when he comes back, he'll he'll become a man again. 
Mm-hmm. So they literally, if you were to look at Jesus's life, he is, is has always been God. Yeah. But then there was a brief moment 2,000 years ago for 33 years, as you described, in mm-hmm. which he incarnated, put on flesh. Yep. And then when he left, he returned to his God beingness, not just to the Father, but mm-hmm. his his uh, his being changed. And then when he comes back, and then for all eternity, when the world new world is created, he will incarnate again. Yeah, God so they, man again. Yeah, never never lets go of the God part. Yep. But the but the man part kind of comes and then goes and then comes again. Yeah. So, so thirty three years, and then let's say he comes back this year, two thousand years, he returns to his original state, mm-hmm. and then for the rest of eternity. He mm-hmm. is, is, is going to be a God-man. That's what they believe, which is interesting. And again, they're not thinking through this, and they're definitely not meaning the way that we use this term, but it is the incarnation, the incarnation, and the reincarnation of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how they would actually see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you know, one of the things is that nowhere does the Scripture say that, but it seems to be, if it, if it is implied, that probably is the most logical deduction for those people who believe that things are different now. It seems to be what they're saying, and again, they get to choose what they mean by it, is that there is an incarnation, an incarnation, and then a reincarnation of Jesus. Yeah. But I didn't want to put the title for the podcast, The Reincarnation yeah, of Jesus. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's Buddhists. Buddhism suddenly. Any thoughts, Ryan, from Acts 1? Nope. Not necessarily. First Timothy chapter two. I thought this one was really interesting. Is um, again when the, the Apostle Paul. And this is going to kind of lead us into why this why this doctrine may have some implications that we weren't paying attention to. My my confession earlier. First Timothy chapter two verse five. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. One mediator between God and His Godness. Right, Father, Son, Spirit. The mediator with mankind. And then he is referred to in First Timothy two as the man. Christ Jesus. So he's not he's not referred to. And, and again, that's that kind of that present tense, not he was, but he is. The one who is mediating right now is the man Christ Jesus. So probably the most uh, clearly explicit reference to him today still having a man form is just that text. Yeah. Thoughts too straightforward to really kind of rebut? Like that one's just going to be a hard one to walk around? Yeah, I think that one's a hard one to rock, walk around. But one thing that I um – I may want to insert here and so we can have it to, to, you know, interact with as we go through the rest of these texts is a, um, it could, it could sound like a bit of a heretical question, but I, I don't think it is. When did Jesus come into being? Yeah. Yeah. Because like an important verse that I think may help with this Matthew one. Oh, you're going all Frank on me here. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. So the son, the second person of the Trinity, has existed for all humanity. But Jesus comes into being in the, in the sense that that name, <laughs> sure. it was when he puts on flesh. Sure. And then after he has ascended, the New Testament continues to call him Jesus, Jesus, sure. Jesus. Sure. And Jesus, I think, is the name for the God man, not for the second member of the Trinity yeah. without a body. Yeah. So the name is something that is applied n- not to someone that God created, no, but to the son at the time of his incarnation is when we, when we see that name specifically given to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that my father who wrestles with the, I, I think he wrestles with the incarnation of God. I mean, he really does. It frustrates me, concerns me, but that's another yeah, some of the same verses <laughs> which uh which lead him to to maybe reject it are the same verses that lead me oh. to embrace it in perpetuity sure like my dad would love for Timothy two five, two five the man christ jesus like he, he, oh yeah totally 
Yeah. Not the God Christ Jesus, but the man Christ Jesus. So you have God, and then you have the man Christ Jesus. So that kind of verse can be used to wrongly limit who he is. Mm-hmm. Right now we're using it to, to recognize who he still is, mm-hmm. but that same verse could be used to try to, to de- debunk the idea that Jesus Christ is, in fact, God. Well, and the other one that I, I don't know if you're going to get to it, but as far as straightforward, I think uh, Ryan's first one who pointed this one out to me, but that, that kind of captures both is Colossians 2.9. Yeah. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, uh, and I, you know, that one's a pretty straightforward <laughs> one to me. But it does also actually capture both the deity and the humanity the there humanity. together, right? All the fullness of God lives yeah. in Jesus. Yeah. So Paul says this mediator that exists, it is literally the man Christ Jesus. I think that's a that's a really good one. Um, Philippians chapter three, verses twenty and twenty one. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. So he will make us like his body is by the power that enabled Him enables him to subject everything to himself. So our future body is going to be the body that he has. Now, again, I, I don't know if that is explicitly saying um, that he still has it now. I mean, I think somebody yeah. could argue that another way to look at that text is, and they're not disagreeing with me, I believe in the incarnation, incarnation, and reincarnation of Jesus. And when our bodies are transformed at the end of time, it will be like his body was and now has returned to. So they, they, could, they could do that. But I would then say, okay, but, but you don't have a scripture that says that that happens. That's just kind of the way that you see it. And they say yes. And I, I think the, the the ongoing struggle that they have is is that if he is still in some sense physical, where is he? Because mm-hmm. he's kind of stuck in this physical world that we see. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like I'm not arguing he's on Neptune, or that if we could if we could find him, we could go and see him somehow. I'm not saying that. I think there's something else in the intermediate state that in fact could be physical that is not in our physical. Yeah, world, if that makes sense. But then, it, to to still play the kind of devil's advocate, you know, you consider what he says to the to the thief on one side of him. Today, you'll be with me in paradise, and we believe that all of our um, fallen Christian brothers and sisters are with the Lord in some sense now. But we also believe their bodies are still in the ground, and they will, they have not yet been resurrected. Yeah, and so that that that, that could be like the counterpoint, right? They, yeah. And so, is there one Jesus in bodily form, and then spirits floating around him? Yeah. Like you, you get you can get into speculation really quickly. Yeah, yeah. But and, and even the idea that you know he, I, I, I've thought a lot about this is that something is happening that is obviously different the way that Jesus is leaving and appearing to the disciples after his resurrection. So, um, you know, yeah. obviously God can do what he wants and the miraculous is going to happen, but he seems to have not just the physical limitations of time and space, but also a uh, kind of a a, a God ability to appear among them, to disappear from them. First Corinthians chapter 15, this is a little bit lengthier, um, but I, I thought this was really interesting. I love how Paul links these ideas together. So First Corinthians chapter 15, which is the, a text about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and how important it is, and then kind of leading into the what, what it's going to be like when we're resurrected. So beginning in verse 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, sown in dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown in sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That last Adam would be, would be Jesus. 
However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. So what's interesting is, is that sometimes we think spiritual and we think spiritual and not physical. And I think sometimes that's true. Jesus in John 4, the Father is spirit. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. I don't think he's relating to the Father as some kind of a physical being. But sometimes spiritual does not necessarily oppose the idea of physical. Because mm-hmm. he says then in 48 and 49, like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. So the man of heaven. So it's describing in terms of who Jesus is now, and he doesn't say the God of heaven who formerly was a man God who's now reformed and returned to the form of God. He really refers to him as the man of heaven. So are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born of the image of the man of dust, we also will bear the image of the man of heaven. So rather strong language that points to him being, being a man currently today, which really kind of goes on to the next idea. Do you guys want to add anything there? Can I read this Roman text? Uh, I mean, just, you know, you kind of touch, but the contrast is not spiritual. Paul doesn't contrast spiritual to physical in that. Yeah. He contrasts spiritual to natural yes. in that. And that's that's a, just an important distinction to because Paul believes we will have, he would say that we will have physical and spiritual bodies Yes, is what he would say. Like yeah. it's not, will we be physical or will we be spiritual? He would say, yes, we will have <laughs> physical, spiritual bodies. Yeah. And he doesn't mind calling those bodies spiritual at the same time it's contrast to the natural bodies that we inhabit today yeah, so yeah that's a really good point romans not romans 8 verse 9 and this is kind of what you were getting to drew is that what we actually see with jesus at his resurrection is this kind of projection this kind of promise in terms of who that we then will be for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters so the idea of firstborn ryan do you want to kind of explain that a little bit like how do we understand the idea of firstborn and in a moment we're going to go back to first corinthians and see this first fruits idea what, what, what what's going on there yeah it's you know then a lot of times we we can um, run into um, a reading of that that skews like uh, docetists or or, or Arians yep, love firstborn yep, text, so yep, yep. they misread it as like a yeah as like the father giving birth to something. But really, what he's doing is that he is the the first indication that yes. what we've been promised is actually possible, yep, and so yep. it's God establishing. Um, the validity of his promise yeah. and it's it's this um this tangible thing um you know we we talk we talk a lot about what is what is hope hope is not just blind faith hope is is faith in what we do not see but it's not it's not without reason mm-hmm. and a lot of these first fruit texts are establishing you know reason for the hope that we have which peter calls us to be very familiar with and and, and, the, and the other the last thing is is that when they would take in the first fruits right so they to, to see how the harvest is going to be they harvest it and they take a look at the first and they go wow i looked at the first the first is great the rest is going to be like this yeah so um that is there there is this essential the firstborn of those who also will be born so he becomes the representative of that which follows and so the idea that if we are going to be the firstborn if jesus is the firstborn if he is the first fruit then we will be like him yeah and i don't know anybody who believes 
that we will become then like God. Yeah. Right? Well, like nobody goes down that road. They go, no, 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 we'll always be human. I've not made I mean, that would be heresy to believe that somehow we would become deified. I've never done like a proper word study on firstborn. Would it also include in it like the the familial status of being the firstborn, which is going to be the one to whom the inheritance is given and then to distribute it is up to him? I wonder if there's any sort of connection hmm, there. No, I've, I, I've never thought of it. Yeah, no, I haven't thought about that either, but that probably is true. I mean, it seems to logically follow. One of the things, just uh, this is side note, but actually sometimes firstborn actually is uh, is is denoting more that of a supremacy yeah. or an over, like so when it calls Jesus the firstborn of creation, it's not saying he was the first created thing, <laughs> sure, right? Sure. It's the same way that I think it's Tertullian calls some of his opponents the firstborn of Satan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a little stronger than we usually talk about our opponents, but he's not saying you're the first person that Satan gave birth to. Yeah. Yep. He's mm-hmm. saying you are the supreme yeah. of all yep. Satan's people. You yeah. are. You're at the top. Yep. And so sometimes the firstborn has more that connotation yeah. than an actual like you were born first or you yeah. came into being first yeah um so yeah, it's a superlative term yeah yeah but it's interesting because i think the firstborn, and this is a text that we actually see a number of different times we see it in revelation so um which i'm not going to get into all those texts we see it in first call in, in Col- not first colossians well technically it's first colossians we just don't have a second colossians <laughs> colossians one revelation one revelation five revelation five again so this idea of jesus being the firstborn, it is the supremacy of it right yeah. he, he is the one that becomes the preeminent the mm-hmm. the perfect picture of what humanity should be, which goes back to what you both were talking about at the very beginning, that he is the one who became that which he was going to save, and he he lived out humanity perfectly. We did not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he becomes that one. Um, I want to I close by kind of this is my confession, is that I don't think I realized how important it is that I recognize that Jesus is right now the mediator between us and God. Mm-hmm. And he's not mediating. It doesn't appear to be that he's mediating from a God position, because then it's hard to be, in, in that sense, like our, uh, our representative yeah. Right. So it seems to imply that the representativeness of Jesus uh, kind of remains in that position of a man. Romans chapter five, verse 10. For if while we were sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Now, again, I'm not saying that is proof positive that Jesus Christ still remains man, but we definitely see the fact that the reconciliation of God is through who Jesus Christ ultimately uh, became. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, who is the one who condemns us? Uh, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So my point there is not that he is doing so from a human perspective. Uh, being, but that he is the one who intercedes, right? Nobody's, and by the way, I don't know anybody that's disagreeing that he's not the mediator. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians 8, 6, yet for us, there is one God, the father, all things are from him and we exist for him. There is one Lord, Jesus Christ, and all things through him and we exist through him. Romans chapter, or Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, and therefore he is able to completely save those who God who come to God through him since he always lives and intercedes for them. Hebrews 8, 6, but Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on a better promise. Hebrews 9, 15, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance, because the death, because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. And then 1 Peter 2, or 1 John 2, 1, my little 
little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So again, those texts aren't really trying to argue for um, for what he is ontologically, his being, but they are arguing that he is a mediator. And so I think one of the questions that you have to ask is, and so it's more of a theological question, if it is so important that Jesus comes in the body so that he can represent us in his death, how can he mediate in a different way? Does that make sense? So it's a little bit of a step, and I'm willing to yeah. admit that. But it, can 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 why why is it that Jesus is the mediator? Why isn't God the God the God the Father the mediator? Why isn't the Holy Spirit the mediator? So you to remove the humanity of Jesus seems to remove the essential part, not just of. Uh, so if you if you remove the incarnation, you both would argue. Then how does he represent us? Yeah, he yeah. cannot uh, specifically like the main thing. He cannot die for our sins. He cannot die for human sin if he is not human. Yes. And uh, the next step you're going is that how can he mediate for human weakness? How can he mediate for humans in sin if he is not still human? It's yep. kind of the same. Yep. Yeah. So you, I, I think you have some verses that seem to imply it, and I, I think the New Testament again doesn't necessarily care about it. They, they and when I say they don't care, it's just yeah. that they. I think they probably just assume something. Um, and we're, we're trying to figure it out. But I, the, the part that I, I loved about this was it was very humbling for me to realize that I don't think, I think that Jesus Christ forgave me, that God forgave me in, in the work of Jesus Christ as I entered into that covenantally through faith. And so that's, that's something that's happened. I was united with him in baptism, and I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And now I just try to work this out. And the Holy Spirit really kind of helps me to be my guide. But I guess reading those texts and wanting to argue theologically that Jesus Christ was in fact my mediator and he's my mediator i had to go he's my mediator <laughs> like he's the one that still like that it it, it gives uh say first john uh 1 9 kind of a whole new thing that if we sin god is faithful and just and he will forgive us of all sin and this isn't just like this past tense idea that that Jesus Christ still is with the father mediating on our behalf and again, I think you're wrong to believe that God is always wanting to condemn us, the Father, and then Jesus the Son is always going, whoa, 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 wait a second, remember what I did for them. I mean, that's not how the Trinity works, but there is this ongoing mediatorial process mm -hmm. that the Son is doing. I believe he's doing that as a God-man still. And it has made me appreciate the importance of the value of Jesus Christ, who is still our mediator. Mm -hmm. So thoughts about that, kind of more on the... You, Again, I would say a practical implication of a deep theological truth. When you sent these, uh, Jim Jim kind of pulled these texts together a few weeks ago and uh, sent them to a few of us. And as I kind of read through it and maybe even had some side conversations on just how profound his ongoing status as the mediator is, it's, um, it's charged the weekly taking of communion yeah. with something – invigorating for me i i've always held to a this is more than just a rote symbol type view i, I feel like they're just like just like i believe in the baptistry i believe when we take communion the that there's something mystical taking place um this really um like i've just had new thoughts and that and almost like a, a new um worship of the heart during communion thinking about him as the mediator it's one of the most tangible expressions that we have on a on a weekly basis in our case um of his ongoing mediation yeah drew thoughts uh i think the the area where this has hit me a little bit is i i sometimes need to even just say the words out loud in the midst of 
when I feel overwhelmed by life sometimes, when I feel overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I have to get done or the things that are happening that I can't control or those things, sometimes I have to just say out loud to God in prayer, but you are, you are never overwhelmed. You've, you've never been overwhelmed. You've never been uh, like stressed and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then it's been an interesting thing to think about this fact that like Jesus in a, has actually kind of experienced that. Yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Not in a like, yeah. oh no, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? But gosh, the Garden of Gethsemane yeah. like appears yeah. to be yeah. an overwhelmed yeah. by the pressures of what is about to take place in his life. And so it's an interesting thing that I'm talking to a God, both Father, Son, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit all together, yeah. who are not overwhelmed by anything. Yeah. But I'm also talking to a God through the Son who knows what it's like. Yes. Um, and who's actually experienced it. And the same thing with like sin. I'm talking to a God that does not get tripped up by sin and has never been pulled down by sin. But I am talking to a God in Jesus who has experienced the pressure and the temptation of it. Sin. And and there's something that is really cool to to think about that idea of Christ meeting in a in a human form. It's like, dude, I like he, you know, uh, perhaps we we believe probably body still bears the scars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of yeah. physical difficulty and pain yeah. and those kinds of things. See, and that's yeah. why I think the Acts 1 material maybe actually is referencing more than we realize because when we see the pictures of Jesus, and I know their visions in Revelation chapter 5 particularly, it describes him as a lamb standing as though slain. Yeah. And I do believe that the eternal marks of Jesus um, are not something that he is ashamed of, but they are for the glory of God, that there is a uh, Jesus who is crucified from the foundations of the world. Yeah is actually crucified for eternity so that we can be forever enjoying the pleasure of his of 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 his of him in terms of who he yeah. is to the glory of God the father mm-hmm. like and this is what i think is so beautiful is it it forces us to look in the totality of the triune god um, our, our most recent podcast was on that. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ becomes the mediator for us with the Father. And there's not a competition. The Father's not reluctant and the Son convinces and the Spirit empowers. No, no, no. It is for the glory of the Father that the Son mediates on our behalf through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit yep. that comes from the Father and the Son. And so there becomes an active engagement. I, I like, And that was the big thing for me was communion has changed. Um, and it's been fun for me not to just look back at what Jesus Christ has done for me, but what Jesus Christ today is doing for mm-hmm. me. He is the mediator between us and God, and there is this ongoing process where he is more than a friend. He is more than somebody who uh, did something for me. He's doing something for me today. And so it's reinvigorated my prayer life yeah. in terms of actively um, seeking the Father's admira- uh, admiration. is. His love, his acceptance, all of those things through the sun. Yeah. Any, any, any final thoughts? Well, just two, two things that convince me. Uh, you, you put all these verses in front of us, and I'm fairly, fairly well convinced. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Revelation 5. You see a, a lamb. We don't know if, if John is, is using poetic language or if he actually saw like a lamb. Sure. Um, in Romans chapter, or in Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul sees a bright light here's a thundering voice, you're persecuting me. But in Acts 7, or 8, 7, and in uh, yeah. in Revelation 1, both uh, Stephen and the Apostle John see a face they recognize yep. Yep. in the sky, um, or in John's case, in a vision. Like, he knew that was Jesus, yep. and Stephen knew that was Jesus. And that th- those, to me, were very convincing that hmm. he currently exists in his glorified bodily state. Yeah. We'll never see God. His presence will be with us, unlike yeah. anything before. 
but we will see Jesus. Yeah. So then, and again, well, the, he reincarnated. Uh, that one makes me a little more uncomfortable. Um, so I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope that we haven't just talked uh, kind of in a disconnected, this is theology. Hopefully you've been encouraged and strengthened um, to have a certain degree of humility and not carry all theological ideas equally, um, but also uh, recognizing the value and the importance of looking at secondary and, uh, and tertiary uh, ideas and then fitting them under uh, the greater uh, wonderful ideas of who God is. Um, so we really do. We hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. May you go out um, and honor the God who loves you through his son, Jesus Christ.